One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to bluenile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at bluenile.com for $50 off your purchase. bluenile.com code LISTEN. Welcome everyone to the Cultaholic Classic Raw review as the other Cultaholic lads are finalizing that trip on the road to WrestleMania. We are here via the Pro powered DeLorean blinded by the lights in an armory every week where it's far too hot. And who be we? I'm fake Geordie, radio presenter without portfolio, former Cultaholic heavyweight champion Tom Campbell. I'm with the bear in the big blue bar cage. He is the head pen of Cultaholic, currently hunting peacock during the spring. He is the man who is the head pen of Cultaholic. If you were to give him a pencil, he would snap it in front of you as if he were vengeful. For something and he would instead insist that you hand him a pen he gets it right every time don't need a pencil he's justin henry and he is off of america hey tommy how you doing today we are doing all good we had a little week away last week whilst mm. wwe were let's be honest our souls about the whole thing but we're fine <laughs> we're here and we are going to get to Monday Night Raw from 1995 very soon. But before we do, um, we weren't here last week, so we didn't really touch on it. We talked about it on the news podcast, uh, but wanted to pay homage to somebody who who Justin and I uh, have they've have known very very well. Justin certainly knows more so than I. But uh, as a fan, love the bones off of this guy. Uh, we lost a wrestling podcasting legend in the form of Blade Braxton last week, very suddenly passing away. One half of uh, WrestleCrap Radio, RD and Blade show on Patreon as well. Uh, really one of those moments that took the wind out of me as a fan. And I wanted to kind of pay homage to it. Justin, you do stuff with WrestleCrap as well. Uh, this came as a bit of a shock, didn't it? Well, it definitely came out of nowhere and, um, I still don't know exactly what happened, but maybe I'll never know. But as far as uh, as far as Blade goes, he was definitely one of those individuals who really shaped my sense of humor way back when. When I back when I discovered Russell Crab about 21 years ago, it was the year 2000, the first year it came out. Uh, Blade came along not long after when he did the Revenge of the Scorpion video. And nice, I remember this. Went. And um. Him and RD were just the ideal tag team, even though personality-wise they were a little divergent, but they had the same twisted sense of humor, the same predilection toward kitsch and and, and toward like B movie mania and just just that love of well what we call wrestle crap, what's become known as wrestle crap. And Blade was always someone that was very encouraging, very laid back, very relaxed, very welcoming. Back when I Back when I was a regular contributor for Russell Crab, back in the early 2010s, someone I looked up to as as someone that just he just loved life. 
And you can see it in all of his social media posts, always at conventions, always at independent wrestling shows. Because he, he was on the independent scene. He was a manager called Midnight Rose. He wore a mask. He had like the um, the crime boss outfit. He spoke in a, a faux Scarface accent, not unlike Scott Hall. Although I'll be a little more done for, for, for comedy's sake. He was someone that just loved to have fun. And that's someone, and he's someone who will definitely be missed just because, I mean, how, how do you fill the void of someone like Blade Braxton that just did everything seamlessly and lived life seamlessly? You absolutely don't. You absolutely don't. Can you remember one of the first times that you spoke to him? Because I certainly remember that the, I didn't have many conversations with Blade. He was somebody that I I, I listened to WrestleCrap Radio religiously during my time uh, before doing this beautiful nonsense full time. He was somebody that in a similar way shaped who I was as a broadcaster. But do you remember one of the, uh, an instance with Blade Braxton that always makes you smile? Well, we, our conversation actually usually centered around football because he, he's, he, he was a long-suffering Detroit Lions fan. And if you know anything about American football, the Lions have have had a years-long futility streak. They have not won a playoff game in now going on 30 years. But but Blade would always fondly recall Lions of the past. He'd always look forward to Thanksgiving when the Lions would maybe win their annual Thanksgiving game, maybe being the underlined term there. Always would look forward to those every four years when the Lions would play RD's Indianapolis Colts just a little banter they would have on social media beforehand. And one year they made a bet on it where the loser would have to watch something. Uh, we'll just say unflattering because the people who were in it, I, I, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to assault them now. <laughs> I, I remember what this was. Though. <laughs> Point being the Colts beat the lions and blade had to do a review of something rather salacious. Mm. <laughs> I remember hearing it. I, had, I was listening to the podcast. And, oh, I was in bits listening to the way he described it. Given RD and Blade's respective taste, I'm not sure how Deal would have handled that. So thank God the Colts won. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a, there's a, there is an alternative reality that had RD watching salaciousness. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been a well. It was all dependent on the Lions winning. So I, I I think RD was quite confident he was winning that one. It would have been a weird trip to the grocery had that even gone down. Uh, I'll never forget. Um, I used to, when I was trying to get into broadcasting, I used to do a community radio show and uh, it was wrestling. It, was, it, was, it had a wrestling slant to it. And, and R.D. Reynolds agreed to do an interview on this, on this tin pot community station I used to work for. And I say tin pot with love, with absolute love. Um, and, and it was just like, it was a dream to talk to R.D. Reynolds. This would have been 2003, 2004. Wow. My, oh, my little mind was blown. And, then they agreed, Ardy and Blade agreed to come on and do like a, a preview of WrestleMania 23. I think it might have been. And this on the same station. And it was the first time I spoke to Blade. And the first thing he said was, hey, you're the guy that did the Chris Sprules match. I was like, that was me. And, he, and it's just having someone like Blade Braxton that I idolized mm. and still do and always will. Um, re reiterating... Chris Brule's Cage Tyler Biggin and Wigan lines to me was a surreal afternoon in my weird existence and I'll forever be grateful 
uh, for that afternoon happening. It felt very, very, I believe it is on the WrestleCrap DVD. Ardy sent me a, an email about six months later saying, we really enjoyed doing that. Would you mind if we had it for our DVD? So I believe it's on the DVD, one of the early DVDs. So you can find it there, like a, 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 a fetus known as Tom Campbell at that point, talking to Ardy and Blade Braxton. <laughs> I actually thought of Blade on Sunday of this week when the um, when the every Mania match ever video ranked was um was released. Well, yes. actually, even even before it was released, because I I had to review it for for you know possible errors or anything, so I had to watch all five hours and eighteen minutes of it. God love you. Um, yeah, God love me. And the first thing I thought of. Was a, a specific moment in, in 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 crap radio show history when Blade had a tendency, and I say this with absolute love, to sort of just go off on tangents, like I do on this show, like you do on mm. this show. We need to sometimes, mate, because these shows sometimes. <laughs> they're, uh, they're, we need a tangent or two. RD sometimes has to lead Blade around the nose just to get through the show, <laughs> which, which, <laughs> which Blade would have been the first one to admit. There was. There's one particular show where Blade just kept going and going off on random tangents. And 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 RD was RD has the patience of a saint, usually. But in this one one instance he didn't. And he he, he starts off calmly saying, like, I knew this was gonna happen, and like, like I, I, I this happens all the time. I don't I don't want to do a show that's an RD who never swears. He never swears. Had enough and goes, this show's going to be six fucking hours long. <laughs> then there's a pause. And then Blade just goes back into, into his tangent. <laughs> oblivious to Artie's annoyance. And, 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 and the first thing I thought when I saw the length of the video that I had to watch was five hours long. <laughs> I love how, like, we got together, you and I, in the biblical sense. Um about two years, three years ago. And what I love is that the more we've talked, the more we realized that our kind of our influences were sort of running in sync at the same time. So it's funny to hear you quoting back stuff from WrestleCrap that I grew up with, uh, having us never talked about it before. Like it's, it's a deep joy. And we here at Cultaholic once again and forever extend our, our thanks and our condolences and our great deep appreciation uh, to the foundation of WrestleCrap that this is built on and the, uh, the, the everlasting memory of the brilliant, late, great Blade Braxton. What a guy. What a guy. What a pleasure. But let us, I think what Blade would have wanted from us, Justin, is to no, to do no tangents, to not wander off, to stay oh. focused. <laughs> I don't know about that. That's exactly what he'd have wanted. Stay in the lane, stay focused, and talk about Raw without any tangentialness. Tangentialical. Tan without any tangents. So <laughs> that's what we... Tangenicism! <laughs> Hey, did they, were they the band that sang I Can't Dance? Um, no, they're the, they're the religion that mutilates squirrels. <laughs> That's what I heard. So you were doing it now. <laughs> we're going to get into Monday Night Raw. Uh, on the road to King of the Ring. Hooray! I can't wait. Um, A lot of potholes. 
<laughs> there's a lot of potholes on this particular road. Uh, let's have a little wander around the wrestling world uh, in this week, the year of our Lord, 1995. Um, a little nod from history before we get into the wrestling history. It was uh, in this particular week uh, that uh, a company uh, based in San Francisco called Electric Classifieds Incorporated finally launched a product that they've been working on since 1993. Gary Kramen and Peng T. Ong wanted to bring the world together through the very early internet and maybe have people find romance. It was on this, it was in this particular week in the history, in the year of our Lord, 1995, that what would become known as Match.com launched. Like I can't imagine doing online dating in the in the mid '90s. Surely not enough people had the internet at that point. No, it, it was. I mean, it was growing in '95. Like '96 is when it really started to take off, the real phenomenon. But I mean, '95, we're talking dial-up, we're talking slow connections, we're talking you download a, like a picture of anything. It takes five minutes. <laughs> you I kids. found this woman on match.com what's she look like I don't know I've been waiting 20 minutes for the photo to load well her scalp is good it's <laughs> <laughs> a lovely hairline you've got as it keeps loading downward and you see I'm like, oh, her eyebrows are fine <laughs> <laughs> it's just, you kids today with your internet that runs quickly and, you, and you're so used to streaming video and all these wonderful things the, what what we had to deal with back in the 90s, you would not believe. It is so primitive by comparison. You do not know you were born. You do not know you were born. Imagine us dropping this onto an unsuspecting internet in 95. It, by, the time you do, <laughs> by the time you downloaded it, we'd have been three months ahead. That's what we need to have somebody do one day is put up AOL the way it was 25 years ago and just show young people and have them try to oh. navigate it. How do you that tweet? You don't. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to say something nasty to people, you go in the AOL chat room. <laughs> been there. Oh, mate, we all, we, we've all been there. Okay. Got a people connection. <laughs> That's a reference. I don't know where that is. I'll ask Jeeves. <laughs> <laughs> yes, to ask. Jeeves needs to come back. Hang on, let me punt. <laughs> Hang on, let me punt somebody from the chat room using this thing that somebody sent me. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. hang on i've got an msn someone's nudging me you've got oh. mail <laughs> pat and boldness don't come back to me now <laughs> hey it's a tough way we're laughing and joking but this is a tough week for the the head of the table in 1995 <laughs> it's a very small table at this point and uh and the food's quite cold uh diesel aka kevin nash underwent elbow surgery this week in birmingham alabama with famed sports surgeon dr jim andrews he's out of action till mid-june should be all right for king of the ring 95 though so basically this is uh, a series of errors a series of unfortunate circumstances as a result of two matches against sid <laughs> The first was a choke slam. I know, right? He's so careful normally. Um, Sid hit a choke slam on Kev. Kev fell elbow first and went, "Oh, that's smarted. Mind that." And then at the pay per view, Sid hit a power bomb badly. I know it's been so perfect since he came back. And same elbow, but doing. Sorry about that. 
bone chips, burlap sack or swollen, internal bleeding. Burlap sack. Burlap bur- sack. Bursa sack. Bursa sack. I have I have got burlap sack in my notes for something else later on. Is that one of the things you pull out on operation? With the little needles? I'll take it's out next burlap to the funny sack. bone. It's next to the funny bone. <laughs> burlap sack. That will make sense later on. We do see when a burlap sack on roll, yes. John, can you have Dr. James Andrews pulling a burlap sack out of Kevin Nash's elbow, please? <laughs> I'm, not sure sack Kevin, rem- I'm not sure sack removal is one of his uh, specialties. Well, we're going to find out, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> so this is uh, so uh, this was badly timed because obviously at this point Kev that Kev is the uh, the leader of the company, and there is there was some concern very briefly that oh gosh our champ's down, but he'll rest it up till June. Uh, they were in the middle of a tour of Eastern Canada. When, when they realized, oh, this is it. So he was taken off the tour. Bret Hart went in there and was headlining against Sid. So you know what? If you're in Canada, it's actually worked out much, much better. Uh, that's quite a make good, especially mm. given, given that it's the national hero in there. It's done very, very well. Very well, indeed. Uh, Dustin Rhodes is in the news this week. Justin Henry. Dustin Rhodes uh, is chatting to Vince McMahon. According to Dave of the Wrestling Observer, some are saying it could be a, there could be a financial holdup between the two because apparently McMahon wants to change his ring name and turn him heel since the group is far weaker on the heel side. Although those in Titan say that Rhodes hasn't indicated any problems with that. But obviously there is something going back and forth here because WWE want to bring Dustin in, but they, oh, there goes my cat. Uh, WWE, <laughs> for reference, the cat just jumped off the jumped off a very high platform next to me and scared the life out of me. Um, just uh, Dustin at this point looking to come into WWF. What do we know of Dustin Rhodes at this point? Because I'm, is this at this point he's fallen out in real life with his dad? I don't know for sure. I just know he's gone from WCW. So I, I don't know where, when the actual disconnect takes place. Um, yeah, I, I couldn't say for sure. I don't know the exact timeline there. Mm. I do know that there were several ideas for what they wanted to have Dustin portray when he first came into WWF. Okay. Before they settled on Gold Dust. So what there did was, they include? Well, there was if you Google this, and we actually did a video on this at one point on gimmicks that we didn't get, there are actually photos of Dustin Rhodes or drawings of him in prospective costumes dressed as sort of a um a Stargate type character. Oh. I'm dead serious. Okay, early versions of just okay as a Stargate character. Now, is this on cultaholic.com? It's actually a video. It's um, mm-hmm. if you Google, actually, it is. Yeah, it's 10 crazy proposed WB gimmicks we never got to see. Okay, I'm currently going to Cultaholic's YouTube channel. Ten crazy proposed gimmicks that we never got. I'm currently on the channel now. And if you scrub in the video, past the picture of Bob Holly as an astronaut. <laughs> How can you? I mean, why would you? Just before there, we get we get Goldust as Stargate Goldust. Uh, and looks like it's got them. It's I'll try and describe it best. Uh, it is sort of like a mummy Egyptian style character uh, with uh, the hieroglyphics on his 
wristbands and and tape and basically dressed as uh, an Egyptian, but obviously with a uh, a, a time space wibbly wobbly travelly type thing going on as well. When I wrote the script for that, I co- I contacted two Stargate nerds and and showed them the drawing. Says, okay, what is he supposed to be? And I, and I had to sit through a dissertation from each of them. <laughs> like, okay, okay, I need to boil this down to like a hundred words. Can you help me with that? You know what, though, I would say that this gimmick not bad for Vince McMahon because well, Stargate, the movie, came out in 1994. So he's not. Vin- do you think Vince came up with it? Hmm. <laughs> Fair point. <laughs> <laughs> he might not have done. <laughs> Some, sometimes Vince has never seen Stargate in his life. That's true. But I, I, do you know what? Not against the idea. So that was one of the ideas that was bounded around. We nearly got a, a Stargate-inspired Dustin. And do you know what? Like, we, we talk now, like, many years on. The gold dust became, like, the, 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 the way that so many, millions of people know Dustin Rhodes, Dustin Ronalds. That's how many people know him. But you have to believe Dustin sat in that meeting being pitched a Stargate character and sort of androgynous Hollywood figure. You must have been scratching your head going, what What are these lads on? <laughs> what is going on? Is this a rib? Because famously Vince liked to rib Virgil Runnels, getting him in polka dot back in the day. Well, yeah, but... There's- I mean, it, it was so elaborate that it, it, it couldn't really be a rib unless it was, this was like the greatest rib of all time. But, and, and, there are, and there are actually alternative photos of, of, of Goldust's pr- proposed costume, some, some without face paint, some with face paint, just like I, some sort of like, you know, just this theatrical weirdo who quotes movies and speaks in a breathy voice. And it was definitely unique. And like, I'm trying to figure out in 95, how they would have figured Dustin would have been good at that. Because all we had seen from him at that point on screen is just a skinny version of his dad. But, but yeah. less promos. It's a funny one. It's a funny one how they got from A to B. But hey, they did. So what can you do? Um, mm-hmm. According to London tabloids, also in the news this week. Always trustworthy. This, uh, always trustworthy. Don't buy the sun. Um, this the Dave Dave Meltzer talking about this. There has been discussions uh, between the WWF and the royal family ahead of King of the Ring night. I've heard this. Yeah, this is a thing. So this is news to you. This is incredible. So WWF have approached Duchess Ferguson, Sarah Ferguson, aka Fergie. Get your toes out, Fergie, and offered fifty thousand dollars to be a part of King of the Ring 1995 to crown the winner. And at this point, we can confirm that no sooner had this deal been offered that it was declined. So, but there was a point in time where we could have got Fergie, not the singer, the fer- the actual royal Fergie. I was going to say, if, if they had this Fergie singing the national anthem, it would have been the best national anthem ever done by a Fergie. <laughs> John, I'd like Sarah Ferguson. <laughs> Do you mind? I'm a respectable man. Ferg, Sarah Ferguson. <laughs> if you have singing. never, if you have never seen Fergie the singer do the national anthem at, at the 2018 NBA All Star Game, you must see it because it is amazing. If only for Draymond Green's reaction to, to her <laughs> attempt to be sultry. Oh bless her! 
<laughs> Bless her. Is that where would you? Okay, right. If you had to choose, right, mm-hmm. Justin, you have to choose somebody to sing the national anthem at your event. It can be a wedding. Are you going to choose Fergie or the DX band? Hmm. Mm. Fergie or the DX band. And those are my only choices. Those are your only choices. You can't, and you can't not have a singer. You have to have one. D, the Fer- Fergie or the DX band. Well, one's going to make you go deaf and the other's going to stupefy you. <laughs> I'm not sure which one's which. I got to call this a push. <laughs> Can we just have Carl Lewis sing? <laughs> yes, why not? Get him up there. Get up there for DX band singing back up. <laughs> oh, that's a hell of a night, isn't it? It's, it's, it's unique. It's a hell of a mashup of errors. Or, I, uh, er- or errors. <laughs> oh, bless them. I want to bring up one more story from this. And, and I'm bringing this up because... Because of the way Dave Meltzer in the Wrestling Observer this week has worded it. God, we love Dave. We love Dave Meltzer. He is, he, like, there's a lot of podcasts that get very cross about Dave Meltzer. You won't find any angst towards Dave here. Like, the the man is, in his own unique way, a national treasure. The wording of this story, (laughs) I just find perplexing. So, (laughs) it goes as follows. Two of the biggest names in Japanese pro wrestling, Kinzuki Sasaki and Akira Hokuto, had their engagement publicly announced on the front page of the Tokyo Sports on the 30th of May. We received reports from Japan that not only is this story not a publicity stunt, but it's strongly rumoured that the two have already signed their wedding papers after knowing each other only for a few weeks and are secretly legally married. Suzaki, 28, was never previously a fan of women's wrestling. <laughs> like, for me, it's that line where it's like, why would that be the first thing that Dave would think about? Man marries a woman. Mm, he doesn't like women wrestling. Why would he marry her? Well, <laughs> we know where Dave's mind goes, and what, <laughs> and, what and what and what his, and what his tastes include. And, um, it's. I think it's just Dave just trying to be funny and cheeky. Like, like that's weird. He doesn't even like women's wrestling. And, I I think he probably was. To be fair. Like Dave I we have do, a dry we, sense of humor. Oh, it's dry as a bone some days, as Dave said. Dry as a flipping bone. <laughs> right. It's gonna wow, clap am- am- amazingly for having only known each other for a few weeks, it would appear that her and, her and Sasaki are still married. They are indeed. So always works out quite well. Six years when that sort of thing happens. It's very nice. It's impressive. Good for, good for them. Good for them. And here's to Love many, many years ahead. There's a great, um, there's a great podcast by the. They don't do podcasts anymore. They, it's a great loss to the industry. But the New Generation Project uh, is a podcast based here in the UK, uh, put together by um, by Stuart Reynolds and uh, a, a cast of wonderful, wonderful friends. And they not only do they have a love for this particular era that we are talking about, but they also have a massive love of Japanese wrestling. And there is an excellent. Uh, long-form podcast about the he- the history of Akira Hokuto, which I couldn't recommend more. 
if you wanted some additional, because there isn't enough content to consume. We've only put out a five hour list video at Cultaholic this week. There's not enough content to consume during WrestleMania week. Check out a little bit of documentary on Hokotai. Right, let's throw it over to Justin Henry. He is going to talk us through this week's episode of Monday Night Raw from 1995. First of all, where and when are we, Justin? Well, it is the third episode of a taping cycle, so you know this is exciting. This is t- this aired on Monday, Memorial Day, May 29, 1995, here in the States. It was taped two weeks earlier in Binghamton, New York, at the Broome County Arena, which is, uh, I think it's based on Hogwarts somehow, I'm not sure. <laughs> John, we'd like a raw taping from Hogwarts, please. <laughs> no, that's far too mystical. Is, would that be a Vince's pop culture wheelhouse yet, by the way? Harry Potter. Oh, good question. I reckon another year or so before we get. Mm-hmm. Welcome to WWE Chamber of Secrets. That's before Ted DiBiase shoot off the beard and start calling himself Snape. <laughs> it's good because he's Alan Rickman. If you've been paying attention, that's the joke there. If you haven't, that's on you. you so Dark we Heart, are. Uncanny. So it's the third week. It's so it's it's the third week of taping. So we are in what over the last couple of years, Justin, you and I have affectionately called the warmed up cold cuts of Monday Night Raw this week. Yes, it's um. Well, of course we're. We will have some taping similar way where there are four hours of uh, four hours of action or inaction, however you want to prefer to call it. So this is we're basically in the dead zone of the taping. Dog outside. I thought the British Bulldogs music was starting from 1999. <laughs> it is a uh, windows are open. It's a warm day here in the States. Ah, uh, neighbor's dog. It's all right. So let's see here. Where were where, where we? Oh, yes, the intro. We have an unusual cold, cold opening for this. We have Jarrett and Rhodey in the ring. And Jarrett's cutting a promo because he has to face The Undertaker tonight in a King of the Ring qualifying match. He's doing his typical spiel, like, I'm the greatest slinger. I'm the greatest entertainer. I'm going to be the king. Blah, 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 blah. Um, and all of a sudden, the lights flicker. And they start dimming and... Going around the crowd knows what's coming. Jared's freaking out. And the best part is when he yells, get a flashlight. Losing his mind as he's shouting, get the flashlight, get the flashlight to, to the roadie. <laughs> that was a cute bit from him. That was. He's busy this week um, because in this particular week, according to Dave Meltzer, they're, they're doing a casting call for a skit related to Jeff Jarrett. Really? So Dave, yeah, Dave says here, Quote, a trade publication listed WWF looking for a brunette beauty between 17 and 24 to appear in a country music video with a 31st of May casting call. Oh, I guess okay. they're doing something with Jarrett. Oh, because that'll be the video for With My Baby tonight. Mm, so a little bit of history going down here. Well, yes, that's a, that's the angle that ultimately leads to Jarrett's um, exit from the company this summer. Mm-hmm. Music video goes before a fall, I guess. <laughs> oh, but it's not the video. It's many other circumstances, but we'll get to that when we unpack these episodes further. Absolutely. So we learn, as, as you mentioned in your Observer notes, that Diesel has had, has had reconstructive elbow surgery 
We get a static shot of him sitting there in a tank top with an ice pack taped to his elbow, looking sad. You know what? I almost think at this point that they're doing this on purpose, like <laughs> making making Diesel look as 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 weak as possible as this monstrous champion. I think they're doing it for a laugh now. They just try to find every like. Oh, I'll wait till later because they do a package on this later. And I just like you draw comparisons between other champions and you go, there is no way they would have done that for Austin. Yeah, you just not Stone Cold, not Hogan, not Rock, but poor Diesel. <laughs> so apparently Jarrett left her in this gap here because he just he, he trashed off the crowd and talks himself up and then just leaves because now we're. We got Vincent Lawler at ringside. Lawler talks about King of the Ring. This is about talk about heavy is the head that wears the crown, prompting a great Vince eye roll. Because Lawler, Lawler talks up his regality. Tonight we have Sid in action. We have an Alundra Blaze interview. Hakushi's in action, and Lawler refers to Hakushi, and I'm quoting here, as his sushi eating pal. What? This now, is a thing. I know Laura's supposed to be an ignorant character. But I mean, I have friends that eat sushi. I don't refer to them by their I don't refer to them by their by what they enjoy eating. Like I don't have I don't I don't call my brother my pizza eating brother or my taco eating brother or anything. I think you should from now on. Well just I guess with the help differentiate so people know who you know, just <laughs> anyway. I know where to go with that. I I just I, I cringed hearing it because like it's it's it? a line it's a line that you know what it's annoying is like it's everybody go you go oh that's a that's a weird line feels a bit out of place in 1995. I hope Jerry Lawler doesn't do anything else to compare somebody from the east to food in say. 15 to 20 years time. I hope that doesn't happen again. Jerry, <laughs> Jerry, well, stop it. Well, at least Vince called him out on it and, and acted disgusted when he said it. <laughs> he did it the second time in 2020. <laughs> well, maybe perhaps over a headset he did. <laughs> I, I'd like, to, mind you, it was so quiet. You probably would have heard it at that point. Just one day. I, 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 I sincerely hope there's like a, like, a disgruntled sound technician in WWE who, who gets all those Vince over headset conversations and sneaks oh, them out. That would be amazing. Like, I don't know if we've, I know we've heard Michael Cole reacting to some oh, in the yeah. past, mm -hmm. but I'd love to hear what Vince is saying. Like, fascinating. Like, I, I'd be intrigued to know, like, because I really, I personally think I struggle as a commentator with anybody shouting in my ear. Like, I had, to, as doing radio stuff, like I very rarely have a producer, but we had a lovely moment where like the, where the stars align perfectly. And just the other weekend, I was doing a Sunday morning and the good lady, Alex, who is a producer at the BBC, she happened to be my producer for this morning. Like we very rarely get to work together. The paths very, very rarely cross. But on this morning, Alex was my producer and it was great. It was, it was, and, it, and even then with like Alex in every so often, Alex would jump in my ear and go, can you wrap this call up? Can you stop doing that? It was even then, like it's like it's it's useful, very useful, but still like 
you have to kind of click your brain into a certain place to go. I need to listen to that and then communicate that. It's a special skill. It's a special skill. I, I don't know how I'd handle it with Vince screaming at me throughout three hours, <laughs> telling well, me what to say. Well, Foley didn't handle it well. If you, if you read one of his books, you'll see how, that, how an entire spring and summer of that went. Oh, yes, because he talks about that, doesn't he? With, he just said, like, it wasn't commentary wasn't for me with Mick Foley, with, with Vince shouting at me. Mm. That wasn't for me. Michael Cole should go in the Hall of Fame. I know we don't like him as a whole. <laughs> I, I'm fine with him. Like, mm. I think if any, he's managed to play that game for so long and has been able to ride that storm so well. I think when his time is up, he should go in the Hall of Fame. Well, he's just the press secretary. That's all. <laughs> yeah, but he does it well. There's worse. Speaking of people who should be in the Hall of Fame. Sid versus Mike Corey. Yes, You're Mike right. Corey Mike Corey idiot. should be in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> For the beating he took in this match, yes. <laughs> so my question here, since they're playing up Diesel's injury, was it wise for them to show two straight weeks of Diesel doing stuff on a roll, like chasing DiBiase and high-fiving Sean and all that stuff when he's apparently fine, but yet now all of a sudden he needs elbow surgery because he got hurt two weeks ago. Yeah, it's it's it's, a it's an schedule. interesting one. It. Yeah, but you you make a really valid point. Like mm. it kind of shows that Raw is taped out of order, and if anybody was really paying attention, they go, "Well, hang on, he was fine the week when he high fived Sean. Mm. Why is it all of a sudden it's hurting now? Like, could you, could you not have found another way to tell this story? Could it have not have been a backstage attack, like, and still kept the continuity of it?" You know, you seem adamant that you want to get over that it's an elbow injury and all this stuff. There could have been a better way of doing it. They really could. It really could Maybe. have been. And yeah, it's, I don't know. It's just, it, it does just show the tape nature of the show. Mm. And is it, but then again, they probably are banking on the audience not remember what happened, what happened two weeks ago, like today. <laughs> They certainly assume the audience is a bit thick, which we'll talk about a bit later on as well. Oh boy, I can't wait. <laughs> so we'll get the Dr. James Andrews shout, the and he mentioned some of the famous athletes who have seen him, because we're trying to get Diesel the rub even when he's hurt. Like, <laughs> he goes to see Dr. Michael Jordan goes to. Great. <laughs> they actually, yeah, I looked him up. A lot of people go and see James Andrews. The Jacksons both went. Uh, Lex Luger's been to see him, so they're not all stars. Hey, uh, I, Brett Favre, Brett Favre, 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 yes. Favre. Listen, I had the same pediatrician as Mike Trout. I can't hit home runs like he can. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, why is that not on your Twitter profile? <laughs> that should be. Do it. Same pediatrician as Mike Trout. <laughs> I encourage you to do it. Nah. Oh. <laughs> So Sid now, he beats up Mike Corey, as one would expect. He, he shrieks, you want to play the game? In the corner. So Hunter Stall's gimmick. <laughs> Triple H writes something down. <laughs> That's quite good, then. We get some very artificial diesel chants in here. They don't sound real at all. No, they don't, do they? Oh, no. I should, I should say they were probably taken from, from something else and then just inserted into here. We get a great edit as Sid has Corey down. 
and, and, and we cut to the next scene, camera cut, and now Corey's in a different position. Apparently, he's, he's the fastest-moving glacier in the world. Sipix <laughs> Corey up, power bomb. It's over in a minute. Corey twitches a lot, which is which is a good sell. Then Sid hovers over Corey and yells, "Kill Diesel! Kill Bigelow!" <laughs> I love Sid. <laughs> Sid is fun here. I mean, he's injured people, but he's fun. <laughs> <laughs> I could watch Sid forever, whether he's doing good or doing bad. He's just. He's 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 just endlessly fascinating. He's a boy. So that matches merely the segue into Diesel's injury. We get the um we get the footage. The in- injury came off the, off the choke slam and then the power bomb. The, the elbow hits the mat first in both situations. And then we get Doctor James Andrews himself, the man who has twelve mansions around the globe, paid for by athletes and their insurance companies. Any athlete, any athlete has seen Doctor James, and I got—I got to say, hearing him say "power bomb" is hilarious. I like how he's talking about being hit with a power bomb, like the same way he talked about like somebody being hit by a car. Like he takes it with that same seriousness. <laughs> well, maybe he worked on Joe Thurman back in the day. <laughs> oh, that wasn't the elbow; that was the entire spine. <laughs> Thurman plug. No, Joe Thurman. This is that's somebody different. <laughs> that's um. If you have never seen Vader powerbomb Joe Thurman and you have a weak stomach, do not YouTube that. Oh, I'm going to do it right now. Yeah. While you're doing I'm that, I'll keep live. talking. It's a handicap match from 92. If you find it, you, you kind of got to go forward a little bit in the match, but you'll know it when you see it. Is is a video here that says, never sandbag a Sid Vicious powerbomb. That's probably it. Oh, I okay. I don't think he sandbagged it, but it's... um. I should point out before, before you watch this video, Vader felt horrible about it. Right. Here and, we and, go. And was distraught because he, he did break this guy's back. Right. All right. I think I found so, it. I think I'll, I found I'll, it. I'll, I'll okay. keep talking while you... Uh... He's going up. <laughs> going up. Oh, God. Oh. Oh. Oh, no. Yeek. Oh. You t- oh, you could tell immediately. Don't turn it on his back. <laughs> you can tell immediately he's buggered. Oh God! Vader's having a chat with him, going, "You're right. No, you broke my back, mate." Oh, oh! The joy of the being, power bomb. He ended up being okay ultimately, but still, it's it was it was brutal. <laughs> this guy. Speaking of medical maladies, we go back to this video here. <laughs> it's, it's 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 Andrew's talking about Diesel and his situation and how to put him back together. And Andrews puts over Diesel as an excellent patient and says he's smart. They have doctors giving Diesel the rub now. He's the best patient I've ever had. This is where we're at in 95. <laughs> we had other wrestlers putting him over. We had celebrities putting him over. Now we have celebrity doctors putting them over. There's two bits from this Dr. James Andrews thing that I want to address. Okay. okay. First of all, like the, the, the way that Diesel's talking about James Andrews, the way that James Andrews is talking about Diesel, I buy them as a tag team more than Diesel and Bigelow. <laughs> like, I feel like we're gearing towards 
Diesel and James Andrews versus Sid and Tatonka at King of the Ring at the moment. I'm buying that love more. Right. And also, right, you are... <laughs> okay. We... First of all, they say Sid's rest, uh, Diesel's resting at home. Here he is in the hospital. Which is it, lads? But also, you're hard as nails, WWF champion. Like the man who doesn't care about other people. Like the, the rough, diesel-powered monster of the WWF. There he is in his, <laughs> in his casual clothes, in his hospital room. With get well soon balloons. God almighty. Right. When Steve Austin broke his neck, we went to his house where there was a, a deer stuffed behind him on the wall. And he was just like, oh my God, I swear to God, I'm going to get back. I'm going to kill everyone. Start with you, mister. Like we had that when Steve Austin broke his neck. Diesel. Breaks it like injures his elbow. He's in hospital with get well soon balloons around him. What message are you sending about your champion? <laughs> like, it just looks so weak. It looks so weak. It just makes me sad. And people just, um, I guess they want, want you to believe that people, Diesel's so beloved that people have sent him stuff. But I mean, yeah, he does look really vulnerable here. Really yeah. vulnerable. That's the word, vulnerable. It's, I mean, if, if, if you mentioned the Austin vignette with the deer heads after he broke his freaking neck against Owen. Of course, if that was Haku behind him, they would, on his living room wall, it would have been like the, the heads of like door-to-door -door salesmen or something. Are you kidding me? If Owen had broken Haku's neck, the head behind him would have been Owen. No, no, no. Haku would have forgiven him something like had happens and then just... How could have been decapitated? He would just staple gun it back on. <laughs> As you are, click, 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 click every trick. <laughs> Haku's the man. But anyway, oh, back to he truly is. Anyway, James Andrews and Diesel, the hottest tag team of the WWF right now. <laughs> I love how the video turned it into a commercial for him, for his Sports Injury Institute. Obviously, hey, that, I, this is why I love James Andrews. Like, he's a businessman, he's a great sure. doctor, but he knows, like, he knows when he's got airtime, he's got free airtime here. You know, like, like, I bet if I asked him, he, I bet if I asked him, he'd do Desert Island graphs. He might be, yeah, I mean, he knows wrestlers, he knows quite a few of them. Actually, Edge, Benoit, Austin, they, that isn't a bad shout. Yeah, if you can get Dr. Jim, that'd be amazing. That isn't a bad shout. What I love is, mate, whenever we do these podcasts, I always leave these bits of admin in. See, I would <laughs> just hop, I'd hijack my way in there and say, hi, Dr. Jim, this hand is bothering me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I'd love it if we go, okay, right, we've got a question from one of our writers. Uh, yeah, uh, I've got like a, I think I've got like carpal tunnel on this arm. Any chance? <laughs> <laughs> James and uh, I'm going to leave that with. I'm going to look into that. Speaking of vulnerable, backstage we have Road Dog keeping Jeff Jarrett calm. Maybe we should give him some <laughs> balloons or something. <laughs> yeah, Diesel's got a bunch of bloody balloons. <laughs> Our next match features my fa my favorite wrestler versus. Here's a cool fact: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact: you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Adam Bomb. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the, the job is getting some love this week. Mike Curry, Bob Cook. Adam Bomb versus Bob Cook, the man with the best punch in all of wrestling. And we, and we see it on display in this match. <laughs> Did you notice a line from Vince McMahon as Adam Bomb was making his entrance that uh-huh. considering the climate we're currently in is incredibly fortuitous? Well, if you'll allow me, if you're on dollars. I here. certainly will, mate. I'm stepping away. I am letting because, the, the, the Lord of Justin Henry take the lead here. Because there's something here, to, something to this that Vince mentions that is very fascinating. Coming this weekend on NBC was a one-hour special, like WrestleMania the Special, which is something that would happen in later years, like a, a TV version of WrestleMania that would air in the summertime on NBC. Vince mentions, he does say check your local listings. He doesn't, he doesn't actually name the network. He says it's going to air this Sunday night, and he says, we're proud as a peacock. Wow. Wow. Well, that was meant to steer you toward NBC because their logo is a peacock. Yeah. But see, here's the thing. Funny thing about that. That never aired. What? Never aired. Did they edit it? <laughs> no. See, what happened was apparently, according to James Dixon's wonderful book, Titan Sinking. Great book. Get it now on Amazon. And I'm sure, and I'm sure the, the forthcoming observer will have a note on this. What had happened was the executive at NBC who greenlit this um, was not the top guy in the company or was not the top person, top person in his department who could approve things. And um, they did this without the authorization of the head guy who was on vacation at the time. And when he came back, he says, no, we're not doing that. And then just oh, no. canceled the whole thing. Oh, no. Vince thought this is going to be the big stronghold to bring back Saturday night's main event in 95, but it was not to be. Oh, that's embarrassing. It did eventually air on Fox that autumn. In like September it aired. I, I remember that somewhat distinctly. But then they're hoping Fox would, would get on board with Saturday's main event. Didn't happen. Oh, man. Oh, that's so, awkward. So in 95, they were looking for strongholds with Peacock and Fox and didn't get either. I hope it all works out for him in the end. 
eventually. Inci- incidentally, on the on the subject of Peacock, I know that you and I, when we've talked about it, there is a, an air of frustration with the with the time and the scale of what's going on. Um, but what I've noticed, uh, somebody else shared a, a picture from their Peacock layout, and uh, the one thing that they are doing that the network never did, they're acknowledging Chris Benoit. Which is interesting. Yeah, I I think of I because suddenly you're seeing all his you're seeing like all the matches with him on like and his name is listed whereas in the network it doesn't say anything like that but Peacock are mentioning Chris Benoit I, I don't have an opinion on that either way I just think it was just something that caught my eye and I was like okay they're up to two thousand and four on Raw they're mm-hmm. getting there <laughs> I just look at it as it happened whatever this yeah. If you want to watch it, watch it. If you don't want to watch it, don't watch it. Absolutely, friend. Absolutely. So we go from Peacock to B Cook with my friend Bob Cook here. Thank you. Thank you. So Bob Cook's delivering his right hands, making me happy. Does justifying this entire show. <clears throat> Bob Cook has the best punches in wrestling, bar none. The Bob Cook underrated, right hand. Underrated right hand man, isn't he? Mm. Who's a damn good enhancement talent? Mm. That's half the match here. The other half of the match is Vincent Lawler fumbling over a read for a Twilight Zone movie. <laughs> they screw up several times. Don't even bother to edit it. I guess we're doing this live-ish, and they just go with it. Although we do get a funny joke from Lawler because because referring to the Twilight Zone movie and referring to the. Was this in the movie, or was this one of the old episodes with William Shatner when he's on the plane? I believe it's the Twilight Zone, Twilight Zone movie because, okay. like, they mentioned like John Lithgow being in it, mm-hmm. and Dan Aykroyd, and that's right, and uh, Kathleen Quinlan. They mentioned Kathleen Quinlan, really? I thought I thought they did. That might be my notes. I know I've dragged up a whole load of notes for Twilight Zone the movie, and I put her yeah. in it, but I don't know. So they may not have mentioned. They definitely mentioned Dan Aykroyd. They definitely mentioned uh, John Lithgow. Because Lawler makes a joke about about Shatner making the plane wing joke, saying Vince looks like the gremlin on the on, on the on the wing of the plane, <laughs> which made me happy. And Adam Bomb wins with a diving clothesline, and, and it throws the mini footballs into the crowd. Bomb's not here much longer, just so you know. I know. About that, he's going to get diffused in short order. So sad. I'm so sad. Like, <clears throat> and and I'll and I'll say it forever. Like. This guy could have been your guy. Yeah. So cool. So cool. He had his own merch that he threw into the crowd. So cool. And he looked frightening. He did. He looked like an intimidating. If they put the belt on him, I would not have been upset. Yeah. There's worse. There's worse at this time frame, right? There is worse than Adam Bob. Funny you mentioned that. Yeah, funny. <laughs> Let's go into a King of the Ring report. King of the Ring report, yes. <laughs> now, so Todd makes a very dated Connie Chung joke. What was this? Explain. I know who Connie Chung is, but why suddenly go, hey, I'll have a cage match with Connie Chung? <laughs> she was kind of like a timely name at that point because she had done an interview with Newt Gingrich's mother. Newt Gingrich was speaker of the house at this point. Mm-hmm. And she made an, and Gingrich's mother made some a, a, an ostensibly off the record remark about Hillary Clinton. I, I, I think either she called her a bitch or she said her son thinks she's a bitch. 
and, and Connie Chung ended up airing it, and it, and it caused a bit of an uproar. So Connie Chung was seen as as sort of a um an untrustworthy reporter. So her name is kind of like a catch-all for that at that point. Right. Okay. That that makes it more relevant, I, I mm-hmm. guess. So um, so yeah, Connie Chung joked you can tell this is 1995. Then this date this dates this nicely. We talk about Diesel Bigelow versus Sid and Tatanka. We get Bigelow and Diesel cutting a promo on Superstars this weekend with Doc Hendricks looking not not at all Michael Hayes like. <laughs> he, he, he says we're gonna bankrupt the corporation and make them broke, and we mean broke. Diesel trying to sound like Jerry Lynn, and he's saying it as his music started playing. It was all very awkward. <laughs> this is a Mega powers, this isn't. <laughs> Mega plunders. They address the challenge that Hart has made to Lawler that Lawler has still not accepted. No mention of the brackets at all. <laughs> I think they do it later. They do it we, later, don't they? Yes, we have a two-part King of the Ring report. It, the show is so big, it cannot be contained to one report. Thank God. Thank God. How do we feel about the graphics aesthetic for King of the Ring? Because they really go all in on the whole castle motif for this King I'm of the Ring. With the, like the, the match graphic looks like all like the, for the main event looks like Diesel, Bigelow, Sintatonka are on top of a castle, not unlike uh, the John Cleese from Monty Python and the Holy Grail. <laughs> I want Sid to do that exact scene. <laughs> Go and boil your bottoms, English pig dogs. Your mother was a hamster, and your father smells of elderberries. And your father had half the brain I do. <laughs> John, Sid, the Holy Grail, the rude Sid. <laughs> I just like the idea of of of, of Diesel. It would be it would be Diesel. Wandering along with Bam Bam Bigelow clucking the coconuts together. <laughs> and it have to be in that order. I short my tights in your general direction. <laughs> I short my tights. <laughs> if the urban legend from Mania 13 is to be believed. We're knights of the round table. We're all losing to Mabel. <laughs> we all know that yet. Oh, we are though. <laughs> I don't want to deny the, the, the train wreck that's coming. <laughs> Speaking of train wrecks, this is a tape show, so they have control over it, right? Yep. Coming up next, a Lundra Blaze interview. They come out from break. Here comes Hakuchi. <laughs> hey, it's not the only... It's one of one of three timing issues they have in this show, right? Mm-hmm. That, a Lundra Blaze is next is Hakuchi. Uh, this Raw is sponsored by Sega. Uh, the but you know bringing you the power of Sega Genesis, Sega CD, and the 32X. Da, 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 da. No mention of the Sega Saturn that came out two weeks prior. <laughs> no wonder Sega is a software company now. Uh, Brand new I, console. I, I, had a, I had a Genesis as a kid. I enjoyed it. Oh no, I did as well. But like it'll be like last. It'd be like. Raw last year going, this show is sponsored by PlayStation 4. (laughs) (laughs) Anything else you want to mention? Nope, just the PS4. I think it was not PS2. Oh, that'd be funnier. Sponsored by the PlayStation 2 and the iToy. 
What's this DLC crap people keep talking about? <laughs> so that was a big miss by because Sega Saturn was out and and they dropped the ball massively on on the the Saturn did Sega, but that that didn't help. But Genesis, as you say, I'm not I'm not mad that Genesis gets some love. They they were plugging Nintendo the other week, so let's plug Genesis. Let's plug Sega this week. Well, Hakushi's out next. Hakushi versus John Snakehouski. That is a, that is a main eventer's last name. It really is, isn't it? <laughs> you could be the snack. You could be the snake. Solid Snakehouski. He's wearing. He's wearing. What appears, what appears to be, <laughs> He's wearing the most bizarre rocker starter kit you've ever seen. Which <laughs> He's is hiding a, in a cardboard box. A teal free bodysuit and pink boots. <laughs> it's a hot look. It's, it's, it's something. So Hakushi comes out and Hakushi has a large sack. A burst out sack. I was going to let that sit for a bit. Hakushi has a large sack. Hey! He, he, puts, he puts it on the mat. It's a burlap bag. He p- opens it up and pulls out Bret Hart's severed head. Oh, this caught me off guard. <laughs> I bet it did. Oh. So this now there's some there's some historical significance to this. Okay. So the burlap sack uh, is meant to represent uh, the uh, kubi bukuru, which literally means uh, head bag. Uh, used by the samurai class during the Sengoku period in Japan. So this type of bag was made originally at a net, and it carried the severed head of your enemy. So whilst walking, you would have it around your waist. On a horse, you'd have it fastened to the saddle. So samurai commanders uh, who were at the front would have many heads in bags. So when they drove through villages and towns, People could just see how brilliant they were at fighting. Look at all these people I've killed. Next. So that's what this represents. Now, the bag that was used by the samurai is very different to the burlap sack that we get, but the message is very much there. Oh, this, I think this caught me off guard because Raw has just been so softy, softy kid show for so long. And then just in the middle of like, you know, you're wrestling bin men, you're wrestling kings. Here's some, here's doink, dink, wink, and pink, fighting sneezy, cheesy, breezy, and queasy. <laughs> here's a severed head. <laughs> what? <laughs> yes, it's uh, obviously a makeup of Brett's head with the, with the sunglasses on it. So Haku might sweat them from either the kid at ringside or the merch stand <laughs> itself. <laughs> I, will, I, I, I will say, I, I, I did like it because it just, mm. it, it is jarring. Yeah, he was like, "I'm gonna cut your head off." <laughs> I loved it. Absolutely loved it. I thought it was brilliant. What a it's great, a what a great moment. Badass. Yeah, that's it. Loved it. You're afraid of Hakushi now because he might cut cut your hero's head off. I'm terrified of Hakushi. If I were, if I was, if I were, if I was solid Snikowski, I'd be staying in that cardboard box I'm hiding in. <laughs> Bring. <laughs> Maybe Hakushi's afraid of teal, so he put on that outfit. <laughs> or turquoise, whatever it, whatever it is. Metal tear solids. <laughs> it's a very plotting match. Snackhouse gets a little bit of token offense in for the for, for, for the for, for the enhancement guy. <laughs> a lot of jokes by Lawler about Helen Hart during this match. <clears throat> he was feeling it. 
<laughs> Hakushu ends up winning with a gourd buster and a running flip senton. Not his coolest finisher. No. He has like 40 finishers. Mm. <laughs> <clears throat> that he does. But I like the, whole... the head stuff. <clears throat> it's definitely, uh, it's got his charm. Mm-hmm. You should do it more often. I mean, <laughs> what, we, what we need to wrestle now is a guy with a bowling gimmick. And he carries around the bowling ball bag, but then he just pulls out somebody's head. Like, wait a minute, he's not really a bowling <laughs> Walter Sobchak, pro wrestler. <laughs> I told you I don't roll on Shabbos. That'd be amazing. John. So, <laughs> Thank you. Hall of, Fame, Hall of Fame promo, Anthony Naraka, Ernie Ladd, and Ivan Putsky. Polish power. This isn't exactly the um the action figure Hall of Fame classes we have today. It's but really dark. Where the whole point is legends, deals, action figures, and video game likenesses. And it's basically what it is, isn't it? This is this is where a Hall of Fame was like, these are the best wrestlers. Whereas nowadays it's like, do you want a merch deal? Well, yeah. this is how we get it. Well, yes, and and celebrity inductees, so we can get a little bit of TV rub. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a business. Oh yeah, it's all. A, I think everyone seems to forget that it's that it's all a business, and that's all this is. It's all just. Um, it's it's all just putting eyes on the product. At a time of recording, uh, Ozzy Osbourne has been announced for the Hall of Fame, uh, which is a, a proud a proud brummy going into the Hall of Fame. It's lovely to see. So basically, the footage is going to be of him accepting the Dynamite Kids Tag Team Title, and him laughing at Santino dresses him. That's going to be the video, right? Stoked. <laughs> no, didn't he do that? I think that'll yeah, that'll pretty much be all it is. That'll be pretty much all it is. While they're there, maybe they can license some of his music so we can get Chris Chetty entering the Perry Mason in ECW. Oh, don't you threaten me with a good time. Don't you threaten or me with a good time. Maybe, or what the hell am I saying? Get Iron Man for the Road Warriors. Let's make this right. <laughs> I, wonder, I, through- I wonder. I wonder... I wonder whether or not they would. Nah, they won't. That's that's wishful thinking. You gotta go through Sharon to get that. <laughs> Sharon! <And> I... <laughs> Sharon! <laughs> Sharon the Road Warriors want my music! <laughs> what's, the, what's the Road Warrior, Ozzy? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Sharon, I've got to go to Champa. <laughs> They're putting me in the like fucking Hall of Fame. <laughs> It's like an actual episode. <laughs> I don't want to go in a fucking all of five of the Prince of fucking Darkness. I just want to say for the record, I hate all reality shows of that ilk, but Ozzy was the only one who ever did it right. Just put Ozzy Osbourne in regular household situations and let the fun begin. It's true. Just it's the- true. Everybody else was all pompous and... You know, like like manufacture reality. Just put us in real life situations and what, and the fun creates itself. The, the the one bit always stays with me is that when he was at the he was at the the sound test for his gig and they started shooting bubbles into the air. <laughs> bubbles of the Prince of Fucking Darkness. You've got bubbles. <laughs> 
solid. Oh my god, mate! What if we get? I'd, I'd love it if Aussie were there, but I don't know if he will be. What if we get an Aussie and Pete Dunn promo this week? <laughs> all right, Pete. All right, Aussie. Well, good luck with your match takeover. Thanks very much, Aussie. I like to hurt people. I like to hurt bats. All right. Let's just give Ozzy Tom Phillips his job. Yes! <laughs> Welcome to Monday Night Raw. What's going on? <laughs> What's he doing to him? See, he relates to the audience. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Funny, somebody speaks to the common man. <laughs> what's retribution? Why did you hire them if they all they want to do is destroy the company? Why did you give them contracts? I don't, I don't understand it. Like I saw a broke into my house and I gave him a job in my garden. I don't understand this. What's a non-compete clause? I mean, I let Bill Ward join other bands immediately after leaving Sabbath. <laughs> We're happy to see him go. <laughs> War pigs. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I do love. Crazy. I'll never not love how one of like the, the one of the, the voices of pure evil in the world of music is from Birmingham. <laughs> it will never, never not make me smile. One of the like, like the like the voice of pure angry rock and 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 the darker side of music is all right, And yet he's so relatable. So relatable. Never debatable. Well, speaking of Hall of Famers, Alundra Blaze's interview finally begins. Oh, God. Now, I don't know if Dave had any notes in The Observer about this, but her time away, she was actually having a different kind of surgery, which I don't want to be too crass here, but it's um, it's noticeable. And Lola even points it out subtly by saying, well, well the swelling hasn't gone out of that nose yet. Hmm. Yeah, it is of the cosmetic variety. <laughs> yeah, Dave didn't say anything in this one. He'll probably say something in the next one. But yeah, we know that Alundra's been away to have cosmetic surgery, which does explain why it's been almost two months since we've even acknowledged the Alundra Blaze Bertha Faye attack mm-hmm. from from the. I mean, Bertha Faye's changed gimmick in the time that she's been away. Yeah, she went from Monster Ripper to Trailer Park Queen. <laughs> <laughs> so. If it- Vince is interviewing Blaze, and Vince actually goes, "How about it for a Lundra Blaze?" Like, like all exaggerated and almost a little too over the top, which even by Vince standards is a lot. He's trying very hard to get a Lundra Blaze over as a thing. Yeah, Blaze gives her usual basic interview about Faye. Says she's back stronger than ever, and vows to hold the women's title for a very, very long time. The title belt that she doesn't have with her. Right. That always annoys me. I don't know whether you picked up. That's a bit of a bugbear of mine when you're a wrestler and you're a champion and you come out without your belt. Yeah. Always annoys me. Even just have it over your shoulder. You can dress nice, but just have it over your shoulder. <laughs> just always have it on you. It's like, I mean, you know, I'm, treat it like treat it like a mask going to the shops. I mean, I can think of another instance where um she had the, she had the belt with her, where she remembered to bring it with her. Hmm. But we'll cross that bridge in about oh, six months. <laughs> yeah, you remember it now. <laughs> how, how could she forget it in that instance? Oh, that's true. That's a thing. Getting the ad for next week's Raw King of the Ring qualifier. Owen Hart versus Davy Boy Smith. 
why are the why is the opening round of this King of the Rings so stacked, and why is every other round so frugal? Um, it's it is such a weird situation. This King of the Ring. This King of the Ring is like it's like every heavyweight UFC fight that goes past the third round. First round full of action. You drain yourself. You expend yourself. All the hard hitting. And by the third round, you're just hugging each other, just throwing like semi rabbit punches, just trying to stay up. Uh. The difference is this is predetermined, and you have the power to to control the the narrative. Are you saying UFC doesn't? <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> good point, well made. Well, speaking of King of the Ring, um, King of the Ring qualifier Mabel is in action next. Him and Mo teaming up to face. Gary Scott and Aaron Ferguson. And they both get jobber entrances. Yay! So what do we know of Scott Ferguson? Skurgerson, if you will. <laughs> Skurgerson. So clearly Mabel's not winning the tournament if, if, if he's out here. No! no Certainly <laughs> not. <laughs> the basic gist of this match is that Mabel destroys both guys, but when Moe's in there, they manage to double-team him a little bit and get the advantage. Oh, Mabel comes back in. He's a house of fire again and just destroys everybody. A lot of scowling, a lot of violent slams. There, is, there was a funny moment here from Vince. I can't remember. I think Moe was in the ring at that point with, with Aaron Ferguson. And Vince goes, let's see what Ferguson can do. He gets needed. He gets needed. He falls down and goes, well, he can collapse. <laughs> Immediately just drops like a, like a sack of spuds. That was brilliant. <laughs> Absolutely stunning. <laughs> Mabel comes in, kills both opponents. He avalanches Gary Scott in the corner and hits his hellacious belly to belly for the win. I've noticed something that Mabel does with his belly to belly. I don't think I've ever talked about it before. As he lifts him up for the belly to belly, Mabel started letting out a big ooh. <laughs> he does that on splashes too. Ooh. I like it. I like it because if you scream, it gives extra power. I think he's the train noise in Braun Strowman's deal. <laughs> Your, what are your thoughts on Braun Strowman basically now <laughs> being a train? It's, it's, <laughs> this is a company that has too much money and too much power. <laughs> I'm not even mad. I'm not even mad because I ain't going to watch Raw after Mania. So I'm delighted. You do you, hon. Great, it's ending. You do you. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Conductor. <laughs> 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 Just make that his song. I prefer it. If it. Yeah, if it was the Thomas the Tank Engine theme as he went round. Ringer star, George Carlin, Braun Strowman. <laughs> You're going to get these hands, said Thomas. <laughs> Shane McMahon was in the main event, but nobody wanted him there. <laughs> Shane McMahon, you have been a very splendid engine. But the village people hailed him because his sweat ended the drought. <laughs> so if we get our second kick in the ring report because it was too big to be contained in one report. So here are the brackets. Todd has the balls to say eight elite WF superstars. He's got no shame, this lad. No, he's great for that sense. Mabel's in it. Bob Holly's in it. Razor Ramon is in it. And Shawn Michaels is facing Kama. So, who are the men they beat the qualify? Let's see. 
Adam Bomb, Mantar, Jacob Blue, King Kong Bundy, and Duke Drosy. Imagine the alternate reality of that being the tournament. It's you know what? It's it would have been hilarious, but I would have I would probably been in a weird way better with this King of the Ring had that been the reality. Because what people because people remember this as the worst King of the Ring ever. They do. And we'll talk about it on the pay-per-view when we get to it. Uh, watch along coming very soon. But here's the, the, the thing that hurts the most about this King of the Ring. The opening, that, that opening past the qualifying round, that first round stacked, absolutely stacked. And where we go from that list is the, it's like, what's the one thing that we don't want to happen? Right, okay, let's do that. Well, our next qualifier is going to be Undertaker versus Jeff Jarrett, which is coming up in, in a matter of moments. And we got Bulldog and Owen next week. Oh. So, so th- this should be like a good tournament on paper. But we- yeah, this is the thing on paper. This looks like an amazing King of the Ring. Mm. Well, everything looks good on paper except for dog shit. <laughs> and very soon we're going to see how they screwed this whole thing up. Oh, mate, it's a journey. It's a journey. We then go to roving t-shirt salesman Barry Dodinsky, who has an Undertaker shirt that I've never seen before or since. It's it's him in the kneeling pose with sort of like a neon print that says, he's got soul. And on the back it says, maybe yours. This t-shirt. Hey, <laughs> this t-shirt's all, all. Oh, it's awful. It's late. It's lazy. <laughs> It's a, it's like this is the T-shirt that was designed at eleven fifty nine p.m. of the marketing day, and they're like, "We need one more T-shirt before we can all go home." Oh, just that. It's just nineties faux irony. That's fireony. Fireony. Yeah, like it kind of hit. It kind of hit. It fit the time. I understand it. Mm. Like in the days of no fear shirts and. Which on if you had it was in the UK or not? Yeah, we had no fear. No fear mm. was a thing, and Fat Willies was another one. Fat Willies. Do you have Fat Willies? Not that I recall. Fat Willies was a t-shirt. It was a t-shirt company. They were like a, it was like a, they were like Surf Shack style t-shirts called okay, Fat Willies. Okay. Seri- and, and I know I'm one for Justin. I know I'm one for a bit. I know I am one for a bit. I promise you, this isn't a bit. That was look up Fat Willies. It was a T-shirt brand in the UK. Um, yeah, sure don't Google add, it on. Don't Google it during work hours, though. Uh, well, I'll make sure I add the word T-shirt brand after after the first two words and yes, Google is. <laughs> make sure I'm, you I, do. Oh, I, I don't need a salty surprise. <laughs> now that was a dessert in the night. <laughs> so we got the. Got the he's got soul shirt and a cool looking off color raw hat, which is like grayish black. I'd wear that. That was sharp looking. Yeah, I'd wear that. That was a good shout. That was designed at the start of the meeting. (laughs) I like that one. Mm -hmm. We come to our main event King of the Ring qualifying match Undertaker versus Intercontinental Champion Jeff Jarrett. We get the blue screen of death during Taker's entrance, which is just someone filming a light without any sort of color changed in in the midst of it. I thought my screen glitched out. I thought that was odd. I thought there was something had broken. Yeah. Jarrett's terrified. We get this respectable-looking Tinker cosplayer in the crowd. 
did a good job on their outfit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good that I like. Do you know what the the top marks to pretty much all Taker and Paul Bearer cosplayers who always seem to put the effort in. Well, it's easy to find black. Mm-hmm. You just need some accessories after that. So Taker stalks Jarrett. Jarrett's keeping his distance. Anytime Jarrett gets the advantage early on, Taker regains control quickly. Lots of authoritative offense because Jarrett can sell. So Jarrett's like the right opponent for Taker in that sense. Taker hits, Taker hits his big power moves, and Jarrett, why are you stroking your beard? Just listening to you. Um, so I'm watching Tom here, and Tom looks like he's trolling me. No, 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 no. I'm just stroking my beard. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> I haven't trolled you once today. <laughs> but I was stroking. Full disclosure, my beard is, is reaching its length, and there was a little bit in my beard here. Because earlier on today... I you know I I do this thing sometimes when my beard gets too long where I try and make like little like little ponytails out of it. And as Justin was talking, I was getting a little bit of a loop out of there. That's the full are disclosure. You, are you saying Jared's so boring that you do rather play with your beard? Well, it's not my place <laughs> to say, but absolutely he is. <laughs> I I like the I like the idea of Jarrett versus Taker. It's a match that doesn't happen that often and never ever really will happen that often. I think Maybe two, three times. It happens at a pay per view in... once, and it's not as good as this. Yeah, the pay, the oh yeah, the pay per view one was uh, in your house. DX. 90, Ninety-seven. That was it. And and even and even then, it felt quite special because it didn't happen very often. Like Jarrett and Taker's paths never crossed that often. So yeah. this was when they announced this last week. I was like, all right, I'm in. I'm down for this. So Taker is destroying Jarrett. Lots the the authoritative offense, as I mentioned, because Jarrett. Bumps and sells like a maniac, and Taker's just looking strong. Brody trips Taker, but Jarrett can't capitalize. But Jarrett does eventually manage to close on Taker over the top rope. Taker, of course, lands on his feet and, and then grabs Brody by the throat. Jarrett saves him, and now Vince says, Jarrett's trying to slow down The Undertaker. Isn't Taker slow to begin with? I was going to say, he's not like the fastest thing alive, is he, The Undertaker? <laughs> he just teleports like Jason Voorhees when he wants to kill you. <laughs> you can't slow down a teleport. So Jarrett works the leg because that's how you kill the zombies. You work the leg. Always the left because this is North America. Jeff Jarrett. I mean, there is something funny about Jeff Jarrett hoping to get a, a figure four leg lock submission on The Undertaker. <laughs> I admire the consistency with Jeff. Well, Jarrett, he knows what he knows and he knows the figure four. <laughs> so we come back from break Jarrett's still working over the leg applies the figure four Taker sells it like like Orange Cassidy would just sort of like crumpled <laughs> like when you throw your jacket on the floor that kind of crumpled <laughs> so we get the best spot of the match where Rody's trying to help Jarrett by adding leverage so Paul Bear's had enough he takes his jacket off and chases the roadie around ringside Big pop for Bearer as well. A lot of love for Bearer chasing the roadie round. I won't mess with Paul Bearer. He, the guy can strike. <laughs> Throwing his jacket off Bearer and everything. <laughs> it's go time. <laughs> it's boss time. John, Paul Bearer doing Sasha Banks' entrance. <laughs> Tag Undertaker in it. <laughs> Say, remembering your mate Paul. Hope you're all right. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that is a disturbing visual. It is, isn't it? 
It's it'd be even funny when when John Eiley tags Undertaker in it. <laughs> A Paul and Hug connection. <laughs> Earning like a boss. <laughs> so that's a follow up to J- JBL's Have More Money Now book. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's Paul Bear in a cowboy hat. But it's, it's Paul Bear and Sasha Banks. So Tigger regains control and, and amidst, amidst all this foo for all. I have never used that word before until now. Hammers away. Crowd's digging all of this, by the way. For a third hour of a taping, the crowd is into this. It's a beautiful choke slam. Like Taker Stowery just goes all the way to the ground with you. Pulls him back up, does it again. Jared is basically on, on his deathbed at this point. Taker pulls him back up. Tombstone. Jared wiggling in midair. He's he drops him on his head. One, two, three. Taker's going to the tournament. Hey. I like that match. Taker's in the king of the ring, baby. It was a good match. I enjoyed it. It was it was good fun TV match. Thought they did really well. Yeah, they play off each other's characters well. It was crowd loved it. That's all you can ask for. Mm. Not even heat machine love, just genuine crowd. Uh, about Undert- 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 Undertaker's one of those guys where even at the end of like the warmed up cold cuts of a three hour raw taping, Undertaker turns up. Everybody's up for it. Yeah, he's just that special. Yeah, and even there in Jarrett, and they worked. They worked well together. I liked it. So Taker will advance now to face um, Mabel in the first round. I feel bad for Mabel because Taker's obviously not laying down in that match. <laughs> I'd, say, I'd say Mabel's done for. Yeah, that's the end of Mabel's run in the King of the Ring. No way is he going any further than the next. God, Taker and Sean around too. I can't wait. Oh my! It just it just makes me so sad. The the the, the combos you could have had. And here's what you won. <laughs> Owen Hart Undertaker. That could have been a thing. Bulldog Undertaker. It's like getting waterboarded on your wedding day. <laughs> Some people would quite like that. <laughs> so come back and break at the end. Vince, Vince keeps goading Lawler into accepting Brett's challenge. Lawler still won't budge. Next week's show, we have Savio making his in-ring debut. Well, it's for all debut. Man Mountain <laughs> Rock is in action. Then we got the Owen and Davey qualifier. And we end with a Bob Backlund campaign video. He talks about the deleterious effect that rock music has had on America's youth. Yes, he did say deleterious, which is a good word. It's a great he talks word. About how he would mandate classical music be enjoyed by all. It means we get rid of rock music. Well... I think he succeeded in the first part because no one listens to rock anymore except for me and six other people. Oh, it's it's weird how rock has changed. And it's yeah. not Backlund's fault. Like Black Keys are like the one band that's left. <laughs> and, and that's it. And maybe the Deftones. They're still hanging in there, Deftones. Foo Fighters still doing out. some rock, aren't they? And album come out in 2020. It was really good. There you go. There you go. Delamitri came back this year. That's rock. Yes. Rock's not all dead. <laughs> Tom Jones is back in 2021. He's, he's, he's always going to be there. He's never leaving. That's the streak that will never die. <laughs> Literally, I wait for Tom Jones to get F5 by Brock Lesnar. Then he's done. I don't know about that. John. It's not Tom unusual. Jones. 
<laughs> I need Brock to get a five by anyone. <laughs> I need Brock doing the boombox dance to that. <laughs> John, <laughs> tag, tag Tom Jones in it. <laughs> no context. <laughs> Make it look like a threat. And that was raw. Oh, no. that wasn't. That was all right. That, that was, was all right. I think we're fine. so we're so ready for every episode of Raw to be bad. Every so often they're all right. I think Diesel looks like a weak champion with your get well soon balloons. <laughs> Christ. Um, Sid looked good. Arkushi had a head in a bag. Jarrett and Undertaker had a nice main event. That was all right. King of the Rings looking good. It was a perfect set the hour of television, but trouble is brewing. Trouble is indeed brewing, and we'll talk more about it next week as we continue our road to the King of the Ring. Sam Driver has promised to join us for King of the Ring. We will certainly see. Yeah, I know. It's, he's committed to it now. He'll definitely be here for it. Uh, enjoy WrestleMania week. Uh, we will be back following all the shenanigans of WrestleMania to talk about Raw in 1995 to maybe remind you that things could be a lot worse. And until then, he is at JRH writing on Twitter. I am at Tom Campbell on Twitter. <laughs> we are at Cultaholic on Twitter. Don't forget to join us. Five fucking hours. Go watch the video. Turn your ad blocker off. Love you. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Cultaholic.